Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Gather and Go, the podcast that helps you plan, promote, and lead better trips. I'm your host, Brian Jewell. I am so thrilled that you have decided to spend some of your time with us today. And as always, our promise to you is that we're going to do everything we can to make that investment of your time worth your while. Today on the podcast, we have a great featured conversation with Jessica Flores of Tourism Cares. Uh, If you've been around tourism for a while, you probably know of Tourism Cares, which is our industry's leading philanthropic and charitable organization. If you are not familiar with Tourism Cares, you are going to find this conversation fascinating because you're going to learn all about what this organization does and how it is charting the way forward for a more meaningful and impactful and sustainable future for everyone who loves travel. You're not going to want to miss that. Before we get there, though, let's start with some travel news you may have missed. There are continuing signs of weaker than normal demand for some high-profile tourism destinations in the U.S. Reports earlier this month indicated that Disney World has seen a significant slowdown in visitor traffic this summer. Now, an analysis by the Wall Street Journal found that over July 4th, which is typically a peak visitation day for Disney World, uh, the park actually had its third lowest attendance for any day in the last 12 months. The analysis also found that wait times at the Magic Kingdom averaged 27 minutes on July 4th, down from 47 minutes in 2019. Some experts believe that Disney's highly publicized feud with the Florida government may be affecting visitation, but others point to rising admission prices, which have climbed to above $100 per person per day as the culprit. Meanwhile, on the opposite side of the country, San Francisco is lagging behind other destinations in its tourism comeback. A new data from STR shows that June occupancy at San Francisco hotels was down 6% from the same time last year, and average daily rates fell 14.5%. Some commentators are calling San Francisco's woes a result of continued negative media coverage, while others point to the slow recovery of inbound tourism from Asia. Well, now it's time for the road tip segment of our show. This is the segment of every episode where we reach into our extensive bag of travel knowledge and share some hints and tips that we think will help you make your trips run better and smoother and maybe just be an overall better experience for both you and your travelers. You know, earlier this year, I took my family on a vacation in Mexico and Uh, One evening we were at uh, an artisan's market in Mexico and my son, who was six at the time, found this amazing sandstone sculpture of a lion Uh, and he absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, He had the money to buy it. He wanted to buy it on the spot, but there was a problem. Uh, This sculpture was about a foot and a half tall. It probably weighed 20 or 30 pounds. And I looked at it and I looked at him and said, buddy, we don't have a way to get this home. See, like many families, we left on that vacation with our suitcases pretty much packed to the brim and there wasn't enough room in any of our carry-ons for a sculpture of that size. And so sadly, unfortunately, uh, we weren't able to buy this thing that was really cool and that my son really wanted and that would have made a great memory of our time in Mexico. You know, I thought about it later and uh, was trying to come up with what I could have done in advance to be able to keep that problem from happening. And I realized that if I had been prepared to ship 
that item home from Mexico, I wouldn't have had to worry about whether there was room in my suitcase. So the road tip for today is about being prepared to ship items home. If you are somebody who enjoys shopping on a trip, or if you have people in your groups who are avid shoppers, or maybe if you're taking them to a place where they might have a once in a lifetime opportunity to buy something really extraordinary, well, you don't want transportation and luggage issues to be something that stands between you or one of your travelers and a souvenir or a purchase that would absolutely make their day. So how do you prepare yourself to uh, overcome that problem? Well, here's a really easy tip. If you or your organization has a shipping account with a major shipping company like FedEx or UPS or maybe DHL, why not get some of those pre-printed, pre-paid shipping labels that you use to send other parcels and just stuff them in your backpack, in your briefcase, whatever it is you take on the road. Now, that's not to say that you have to use them. But if you do find yourself where you want to buy an oversized item, or maybe one of your customers wants to buy an oversized item when they're away from home, you can use that shipping label to easily get the item home and you can solve what could possibly be a fairly substantial problem. So what does it look like? Well, if you or someone you're traveling with wants to buy something big, you can say, hey, absolutely, let's make this purchase and then we're going to figure out how to get it home. Now, very often when you are buying something like that, you can ask the vendor, the store, the shop you're buying it from, if they have any boxes or, or something like that that you can pack it in. They might be able to provide some packing paper or foam peanuts or something like that to pack it down tight as well. Then you fill out the shipping label, affix it to the box, and then set a, a pickup appointment with your carrier of choice. Leave it at the front desk at your hotel. Hotels are involved in shipping things for uh, clients, for guests all the time. You leave it at the front desk, you make that pickup appointment and your parcel service is going to come get it and bring it to you at home. So you don't have to worry about the size or the weight of that object. And you don't have to go through that issue of trying to pack it in your suitcase and hoping it doesn't get broken by baggage handlers at the airport. Now, if it's uh, not too expensive to ship the item and you're doing this for a friend and someone in your group, you might consider just doing it uh, sort of as a gesture of goodwill and not even asking them to pay for it. Of course, if it is a little bit more expensive or uh, you do think it would be better if they covered the cost, you can simply uh, send them the receipt once you get home uh, with a, a bill and a nice note attached saying, hey, I hope you enjoyed uh, the item. I hope you are uh, loving having it in your house. Here's what the shipping cost. Uh, you're welcome to send me a check or a Venmo or something like that. Uh, it's a super easy way to solve a common problem on the road. And uh, your travelers are really going to appreciate that you have thought of these details because there's a high chance that they have not. And that is your road tip of the week. Now, before we move on, I want to take just a minute and share a little bit of news from us. I told you a couple episodes back about a new resource we have uh, on our website for you called the Travel Toolbox. This is a free PDF download with tons of great information that is going to help you make sure you are running the most streamlined and successful travel organization you can. Now, in this PDF, you're going to find information on how to take advantage of current tourism trends, how to pick the best hotels for your groups, how to streamline your organization with the latest travel tech, and lots of other great information. Now, I'm happy to report to you that this has turned out to be one of the most popular resources that we have ever put out. But it's also only going to be available for a limited time. 
then I don't want you to miss it. So to get your hands on this free resource, all you have to do is go to grouptravelleader.com slash toolbox. Pop your name and email address in the form there and you will instantly have that resource sent to you. And uh, we hope it makes a big difference in the success of your business in 2023 and beyond. Well, it's just about time for us to move into our featured conversation with Jessica Flores. And just a reminder, Jessica is going to have a lot of great things to say. You don't have to worry about remembering them all or even taking notes, especially if you're driving or uh, working out or something like that, because I am taking notes for you. That's right. I'm going to have a recap of uh, the most important and insightful things that Jessica had to say. Those will be available in the show notes for this episode, which uh, will show up right below this episode in your podcast player or on the episode page on our website if you are listening there. And you can always access the show notes for any of our past episodes on the website at grouptravelleader.com slash podcast. And hey, I want to encourage you to stick around through that entire conversation uh, because afterward, I want to dive in a little bit more to this question of what exactly is going on at Disney World and in San Francisco and maybe in some other places around the country that are having some unexpected downturns in travel. I suspect it might have to do with a bad habit that some tourism organizations have of leaving the middle class behind. We're going to talk about that in today's hot minute. You won't want to miss it. We'll be right back with Jessica Flores. All right, everybody. My guest today is the Chief Experience Officer of Tourism Cares, a nonprofit that partners with organizations throughout the tourism industry to help develop and promote meaningful and sustainable travel practices. In her 15 years with the organization, she has been pivotal in creating dozens of events and summits in the U.S. and around the world. She also represents Tourism Cares at many tourism conferences to help maximize the industry's engagement and impact. Jessica Flores, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Brian. I'm so happy to be here. I am so happy to have you here. For one, uh, we've been friends for a long time, and it's just always good to get to talk to you. Yeah, a very long time. I think my my first industry conference, we we crossed paths and and became friends there, and have been in touch ever since. Yeah, that's one of the things I love about tourism is this community uh, that just builds friendships really quickly, and you know you get to see people two, three times a year and catch up. And it's, uh, it's just amazing. So uh, it's, it's been great knowing you for 15 years now. That's incredible. Tell us how you got involved with Tourism Cares. You had to have been like 10 years old, right? <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. Um, no, I, it's, it's not really a, a fabulous story. I was graduating from college. I was a week away from graduation. Um, I was a communication studies major. So that basically meant I had no clue what I wanted to do with my life <laughs> after almost five years of college. My parents were thrilled. Um, yeah. But I, I saw a posting for an events position at a nonprofit I had never heard of um, in an industry I had, hadn't thought of finding a career in travel and tourism. And it was just kind of fate. I, I applied, I interviewed, and I got the job a few days before I graduated um, and I've been here ever since. And my parents were thrilled that I was employed and out of the house or immediately after college. So it worked out really well. And I am now kind of a, a historian on Tourism Cares because I've been here for 15 <laughs> of its 20 years. So so that's the, yeah. the role I'm playing at this point. 
Oh, that's amazing. I, I want to dig into that history in a minute, but you know, you're a, you're a millennial and it's unheard of virtually for a millennial to work anywhere for 15 <laughs> years. So yeah. it, there must be something incredibly special about the organization. You've been there under different leaders through different eras. What is it about this group of people or its mission that has resonated with you so much that you have built the first segment of your career here? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really a, it's a phenomenal place to work and tourism cares has always, it's always been kind of built like a family business and that's always Mm. the way it's felt. And I think that that, that's just true of travel and tourism. I mean, like you said, we've been friends for 15 years. We met each other at my first industry show and tourism is a really close knit industry, even though it's so vast, it's so huge. I just, I've, I've met some of my closest friends through this job. I met my husband through this job. Um, mm. We have a one-year-old now, so I have a tourism cares baby. Um, wow. So it's really, it's it's just been a huge part of my life. And I get to to work in a fabulous industry and get to, to do really great things with it. Um, working with all these amazing companies in different segments and sectors, it just keeps the the, the job really interesting. It's always changing. So yeah, I just, I can't imagine doing anything else. Ah, that's amazing. I love hearing that. So since you are the resident historian, uh, (laughs) take us back to, now you mentioned tourism cares is about 20 years old. So take us back to 20 years ago, how the organization got started and, and kind of, you know, give us the lay of the land where it started and, and how it has grown and changed since then. Yeah, absolutely. So we were formed by the United States Tour Operators Association and the National Tour Association. They combined their foundations. Um, and that was essentially the the birth of Tourism Cares. And back then, we, we really focused on scholarships for students mm-hmm. studying travel and hospitality. Um, we did a lot of grant work in terms of more infrastructure and conservation and preservation grants for tourism-related sites. And we started this program um, that has become really our legacy and our signature. And that was our Tourism Cares for America uh, volunteer program that started on Ellis Island in 2003. And that has, it's really been what we have been best known for. And it was born out of a post 9-11 time where the industry just really needed this positive space to come together. And that's what we created. Um, It didn't really matter what company you worked for what segment of travel you came from, what position you held in a company. The invitation was open as long as you were a member of the travel and tourism community. So we would bring these travel professionals to a different location every year and they would roll up their sleeves. And this sort of magic happened where they were building deep connections, not only with these places where they were painting fences and, and you know building bridges and doing all these, these different um, infrastructure work, but they were also building these connections with one another that we weren't seeing on trade show floors. It was just Mm. different. Um, When you are working together with a greater purpose, I think that that just connects people in a way that we hadn't seen before in this industry. And, you know, I think we, we all know that travel and tourism can be a competitive space. We're all selling a lot of the same things, but that just kind of went away. Mm. Um, And so we've, we've transitioned over the years and we've really, we've stayed true to using that magic of collaboration because we feel that the power of tourism is in coming together. So 
you know, we still do our, our in-person events, which are now called our meaningful travel summits, but we've started to focus a lot more on, um, the community impact of tourism and creating more long, long-term impact. So we've, we've done a few different things over the years, but I really like to bucket our work into six, six different focus areas, the things that we're really doing now. And that's in professional development and training for industry professionals around sustainable tourism. Um, We still have our immersive experiences and volunteering events that we host through our summits. We're really focused a lot right now on meaningful product development, um, which we do through our meaningful travel map, um, capacity building for social enterprises and nonprofits through our grant programs, our networking and relationship building, of course, is foundational to Tourism Cares. And we do that in a number of different ways through a number of different programs. And we provide thought leadership in the sustainable tourism space. And in terms of where we're going, I think that we're focused a lot on the destination space because we feel like that's where we can make the most impact to connect these incredible change makers in communities all over the world to the travel trade to generate more positive social um, and environmental impact for these people and places doing uh, really phenomenal work around the globe. So it's been a really amazing 20 years. We've done a lot in 20 years and um, I'm really excited for, for what the future holds. Yeah, that's amazing. I've uh, of course been with you at many of the summits and events over the years Mm -hmm. and you're absolutely right. The, the networking, but networking is not even the right word. Because you think of networking and you think of a, you know, a, a boring cocktail party where everybody goes around and hands up business cards and it, it's kind of right. lame, but it's, uh, it, it's relationship building and, and the people I've met um, and the relationships I've built have been things I never would have had access to uh, in, in any other way. So I certainly uh, can, you know, testify to the, the power of, of the relationship building side. So that you're focusing on this concept of meaningful travel. I'd love to drill down a little bit and help people understand what that means to you in the organization, because that word can mean a lot of things. And I think maybe there's a little bit of confusion uh, when people hear something like that, if they don't you know, get a chance to really hear the vision behind it. So explain the concept of meaningful travel. Give us a, a vision for what it is and why it matters so much. Yeah. So meaningful travel is really a term that Tourism Cares is, is using in many of our programs now, our meaningful travel summits, our meaningful travel map. Um, and for us, it encompasses our definition of sustainable and responsible tourism, because it's really important when we think of sustainability, of meaningful travel, of responsible travel, whatever you call it, that there's always this balance between its social and environmental impact. So Quite literally, the definition that we use of meaningful travel is travel that generates sustainable economic benefits for host communities and values people from diverse backgrounds and perspectives. It includes nonprofits, social enterprises, B Corps, and other impact organizations as part of the tourism value chain, which I think is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, meaningful travel protects environmental resources it has a low carbon footprint, it promotes sustainability and conservation. And I think for our travelers, for, for guests, it impacts them in a way that is experiential and immersive and engages them in a deeper understanding of people and place. So a, a lot of the words you use there, uh, for better or for worse, they're words that you hear 
um, more often in one side of the political dialogue than the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would, I would venture to guess that you guys see yourselves as not at all involved in a, a political agenda, but really a people agenda and something that is going to be impactful no matter where you come from or where you're going or, or what your background is. So um, help people understand, you know, maybe if they don't come from the political point of view that is, you know, raving about sustainability and, you know, impact and, and that kind of thing all day, help them understand how this is relevant to their lives and how it makes their travel experience and, and their communities better. Yeah. So I think that, you know, we, we look at the incredible, powerful force that travel can have. I mean, at the end of the day, when we go on a trip, when we go on vacation, we're going into someone's home. And I think as, as travel companies, like we have the power to make those places better just by the decisions that we're making. It's as simple as that. Mm. Um, you know, sustainability is political. It is a buzzword, but at the end of the day, I think that, you know, being purposeful, traveling with intention, thinking about giving back as much as we're taking from these places um, I think that that's just really an important mindset to have. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for somebody who's, say, the end user, the, somebody who is buying a travel experience, um, if they're intentional about uh, working with uh, a provider who is investing a lot in meaningful travel, how does that impact what they actually do on their trip and the value they get from the trip? I mean, I, I think it impacts the value that they get from the trip because it's, you're seeing the ripple effects of, of the choices that you make Mm. and how, how that impacts the community. So an example that I, I like to give that I think just, just frames things is, you know, you don't, you don't really have to do anything differently on a, on a trip. It's just about the power of that decision. So I look at a trip to New Orleans, for example, it's one of my favorite cities. And I think when we, when we go to New Orleans, we're there for the culture, we're there for the music, and I'm there for the food, because that is just, you know, the food there is out of this world. So and you can go almost anywhere in New Orleans and get a great meal, something authentic, something rich, something flavorful. But if you choose to eat at a social enterprise restaurant, you get to see the impact of your dollar go much farther. And the impact of that meal does create ripple effects. So an example of a business that Tourism Cares has worked with during one of our summits, and they're now on our meaningful travel map, is this fantastic restaurant in the Central City neighborhood called Cafe Reconcile. And you can go there and have a delicious meal that is authentically Creole, Cajun, it's New Orleans, it's flavorful, it's delightful. The catfish and mac and cheese is out of this world. <laughs> and um, and the best part is that part of what they do as a for-profit restaurant is they they operate a social enterprise, which is basically a hospitality training program for area youth. Mm. So when you go and choose to frequent that restaurant instead of another, your dollar gets invested into that program and you are helping a, an area resident, a youth, learn marketable skills that will bring them into the future. I mean, travel and tourism runs New Orleans. And so here are these kids learning these skills in the skills-based training platform. Um, they're going off to college, they're coming back to the city, and they're driving the, tr- the travel and tourism industry forward in New Orleans. 
So I think that those are the kinds of decisions that we can make where my experience in New Orleans isn't any different. I'm having a fantastic meal. I'm sitting in a, in a restaurant where the locals go. It's very authentic and, and, and a great experience. And it goes that much farther because I chose to put my money there and the money is staying locally in the community. It's investing forward. So, so I think that that's just the kind of um, decision-making that at Tourism Cares, we're urging the, the tourism industry to start making in terms of how they build those kinds of experiences into their itineraries that they offer to, to their, their travelers, to their guests. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. And I'm, I'm going to try to stay off my soapbox here, but uh, you know, our, our industry is in desperate need of uh, fresh talent. Desperate, you know, every, every city you go to, uh, people are understaffed from the bottom of the, you know, labor ladder all the way up to, to senior leadership. And anything that we can do as an industry to invest in young people, invest in communities, help them bring their talents and their perspective uh, to the work we do, it, it's going to be better for all of us. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of that. So you mentioned a meaningful travel map. I know this is something that uh, is uh, a project you're passionate about. You guys have been working on this and iterating on it for a while. So give us the full introduction. What is the meaningful travel map and how can a travel planner take advantage of it when they're putting trips together? Uh, yeah, our meaningful travel map, it's been um, a labor of love here on the, the programs team at Tourism Cares for a number of years. And it really started in 2018 as part of our Meaningful Travel Summit in Jordan, which was really phenomenal. And um, the map was basically used as part of that summit to introduce our tour operators that were with us on that trip to these 12 social enterprises throughout the country that they may have never heard of before. You know, everyone knows Petra, but do you know of the community experiences around Petra? And that's what we were trying to introduce the, uh, the trade to. So that has really grown globally. And um, the simplest way to describe it, it's a tool, a platform that links small businesses, nonprofits, and social enterprises who are often left out of the tourism value chain to a global network of tour operators and travel advisors who are we know constantly in need of new, authentic, and immersive experiences for their guests. So it really serves as this matchmaking tool that is serving a real need to make our industry more equitable, more inclusive, and more sustainable. And all of the the experiences, the businesses, and the products that are on the map have been fully vetted by Tourism Cares and the destination partners that we're working with through a number of criteria that we've established that ensures they're a right fit for what we're trying to accomplish, which is essentially making travel more meaningful. And a lot of the the businesses just don't have the resources or funding to be out there in front of the traveler, in front of the trade. So we're providing the platform for them to do that. And all of these businesses, like I mentioned, Cafe Reconcile, which is a, a pin on the map, they're doing really incredible work and they have really incredible product to share. And so it's really, it's as simple as logging onto the map for a travel planner and just clicking around. Where is a destination where you're building an itinerary or you want to? What's something that you're looking for in in Colorado or in Oregon or in New Orleans or in Norway or or Jordan or Columbia? Um, And there's, there's pins on those maps that are their tourism ready, these experiences, these tours, their products, they're ready and available to take to take travelers. And 
we have um, every experience and business that's on the map. They've created a profile sheet themselves. So we ask them to tell their own story. It's not Tourism Cares telling them what we think that they should be saying or copying and pasting from their website. This is their story in their own words and important information about their hours, their seasonality, their group sizes, all of that stuff is there in their profile. So really, this is available for travel planners to go in, look around and then build those connections themselves. They can reach out directly and start having these conversations to build them into their their product offering. So it's really as simple as that. Yeah, I love that idea of providing a platform for organizations and companies that can have a difficult time getting visibility because so many of the the companies in the tourism market uh, have been around a very long time. Mm-hmm. They have great reputations. They're very well funded. Mm-hmm. You know, they're household names and it can be so difficult for someone just starting out to sort of break through that noise, even if they have a great product, a great point of view. And I think the only way to sort of help bring them into sort of a level playing field is for people like their destination marketing organizations mm-hmm. or uh, you know, other organizations they're part of to partner with an organization like Tourism Cares and get them some visibility uh, that they don't have to buy with marketing dollars. Absolutely. Um, so I, I love that idea. Tell me uh, what that process is like for you know a social enterprise or uh, an up and coming travel experience. If they want to be uh, listed on your map, what's step one for them and what can they expect the process to be like? There's there's two ways for us to to populate this map essentially, and that is um, we're working directly with DMOs as part of our our membership package. So we ask a destination to come on as a member, and then we work with them directly to start to build their map. So like I said, we provide the criteria, the toolkits um, they need to to reach out to message and market, and then we ask our destination partners to go out into their community and either bring in sites and experiences they already know of or or essentially find new ones, which has been the really cool part of this whole process is that by by doing this and and with this set of criteria, these DMOs are finding social enterprises, nonprofits, environmental organizations that they've either never worked with before or they didn't even know existed in their community. So that's been really great. Um, and then basically, essentially, they work with us to put that list together. And then Tourism Cares goes out and we we work directly with those with those businesses. For businesses that are not connected to um, a DMO that's currently working with us, there is no cost for them to be on the map. It's really as simple as reaching out to us. There's a, an application that we ask them to fill out that just ensures that they are in line with our criteria. And then we work with them on building their profile um, and of course, we market those those experiences, those businesses through our our channels, our social media, our communication um, channels, so that our community knows that they exist, and hopefully, they'll start to build those those connections. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, again, I'm going to try to stay off the soapbox there, but uh, <laughs> I, I believe there's a huge role for DMOs to play. Uh, in, in this work because they're the ones that can put boots on the ground and go out into communities and uh, meet people who are starting to do this kind of work and and connect them to uh, organizations like Tourism Cares. So that's, uh, that's amazing. I'm so glad you're partnering with Destinations on that. Uh, so uh, you guys host uh, a number of meaningful travel summits and other events uh, really around the world uh, every year. For people that 
maybe haven't been to one, uh, don't really know what to expect. What are those events like and, and what could they look forward to doing or learning uh, if they make the investment to come to one? Our meaningful travel summits are our signature. They're what we're, we're best known for. Um, and like I said before, it's, it came out of our Ellis Island event and it has, it's grown and transitioned throughout the years, but we typically hold two summits a year, one in North America and the other globally. Our global summit is always a bit smaller. It's a little bit more intimate with about 50 attendees. And in North America, we generate 150 or so um, that, that attend that event. And it's three to four days total. It's centered on education around sustainable tourism topics and challenges that these destinations are facing. Um, there's networking and facilitated workshops. Of course, we have our volunteering and in-community experiences because it wouldn't be a tourism cares event if we weren't out in the community. And we introduce opportunities for new product development through our partnerships with businesses and nonprofits in the community. And we do build a meaningful travel map as part of um, our summit partnerships. And we're working really closely with our host destinations to design the events. We, we don't come into these communities with an agenda to say, this is what we're, we want to focus on. This is what we want to talk about. This, this is our list of speakers. We design them with their challenges and their focus areas in mind. And I, I think what we are finding is that our, these challenges and these, these uh, areas of focus aren't really unique to, to any one destination. Our global challenges are, are all pretty, pretty much impacting us all these days. Um, so, for example, we were in Norway just this past April. It was an incredible experience. Last year, we were in Lake Tahoe in the spring of 21 or 22, excuse me. And in both of those events, we focused on how climate change is changing uh, seasonality, how it's impacting livelihoods, indigenous customs and traditions. So two places very far apart, but their their challenges very similar. So we really dug in with our attendees to some of those challenges and possible solutions that travel and tourism companies can make. And I think what is powerful about our events is that we we keep them small on purpose they're meant to be intimate I think that we we see a lot of um the networking is really strong the idea sharing is really strong when we're in these smaller groups it feels like a safe space which I think is really important and we're able to facilitate strong connections from these these really I mean travel companies of all different sizes we're facilitating these connections to these small local businesses that is just for some it's it's life-changing to be able to learn from these these different travel leaders um so that's really impactful and of course it wouldn't be a tourism cares event if we weren't asking our attendees to make commitments before they leave so on the final breakfast of our final morning we bring the group together and we basically ask those who are willing to volunteer to share their commitment, we ask them what they're going to do differently. What did they learn? What are they going to champion in their company when they get back? And then we follow up with them throughout the year to support that commitment by helping to make any connections they need to, to ensure that they're actioning that further. We provide resources, anything that they need um, to start to create real change in travel and tourism. That's what tourism is. Tourism cares is here to provide. Yeah, uh, I love that. That's amazing. 
So if you could look uh, 20 years down the road, uh, when you are in a place where you can reflect a little bit more on the work you've done, the career you've had, what would you love to see in terms of Tourism Cares and the impact it has had uh, on the travel industry? What What's your vision uh, that far down the road? Uh, 20 years from now, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it's a scary thought, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> um, you know, I think that what Tourism Cares is doing now, I think is setting a really strong foundation for the future. And I think that's one where sustainable tourism, whatever we're calling it 20 years from now, that it's not a niche or a segment of this industry or, or left for companies that are more in the adventure travel space. I, Mm. I think that for me, I think the vision that all tourism is sustainable tourism is, is where we need to be. I mean, I think, it's inevitable that that's where we have to be or travel and tourism won't exist anymore. But I do think that's, that's going to take a lot of work. And what I reflect on over 20 years and what 20 years looks like from now is what tourism cares has always done really well is respond to what the industry needs at the time. That was in 2003 post nine 11, we needed that positive space to come together during the, pandemic, we recognized that sustainable tourism was the only path forward. And Tourism Cares has always responded to support and empower our industry to get them to that next phase, that next level. Um, But we've always kept our mission at the center of that. And I think that that's what we'll continue to do. What we've always done really well is we've brought people together. It's, It's been our our foundation is collaboration and our challenges will change. They'll get bigger and tourism cares will always serve as that, that safe space for people to go and help resource out what they need to make sure that travel and tourism continues to be this incredible force for good that we know it can be if we all work together to do it well. So that's, I mean, it's, it's a vague vision for the future, but, um, I, I think that that's the role that we'll, we will still be playing. Well, that's an amazing vision for the future. And, uh, we are all uh, on board and behind you in that, um, tell us and our listeners, what is the best way for them to follow you, follow tourism cares, see the meaningful travel map and, and be part of what you're doing. Yeah. So our, our social handle is at tourism cares and, uh, we, all of our updates, Everything we're working on is always on social. Our website is www.toursandcares.org. Um, if you want to go directly to the meaningful map, it's slash meaningful dash map. Um, the the map is is up and live, so I encourage everyone to go to go and look. And of course, you can always reach out to me directly, Jessica.flores at toursandcares.org. I'm happy to connect you to anyone on the team to get you what you need. But um, yeah, we're here available ready to do the work. Yeah, that's great. Well, before we let you go, we have uh, some final questions we ask everybody who comes on and these are just for fun. So no pressure. Uh, (laughs) First of all, when you travel, do you book a window seat or an aisle seat? Always an aisle. Yeah. Always. I am like, I mean, not to get into detail, but I'm just a nervous flyer. So I always have to just be available to get up. It's every time I have to have an aisle. Yeah, totally get it. Uh, so what's something in your carry-on that you wouldn't travel without? (laughs) 
Well, at this point, it's my daughter's baby blanket because oh. I just, I still have that. <laughs> I have to be with her all the time. Um, so it's that, or I always have to have some kind of chocolate or candy in my bag mm. every time. Smart. I need to, I need to get that practice going. <laughs> uh, so uh, if you had a free airline pass and a week with nothing else to do, where would you head next? Ugh. I mean, I need a beach vacation so, so desperately. Um, Katie and I on the, the tourism cares team though, we've always wanted to just spend as much time as possible exploring Australia, New Zealand. So I think mm. that that would probably be, be my go-to right now. Or of course, Fiji is always in my head just because I can't, I, I will do anything to sit on a beach. Yeah. Well, we need to make it like two and a half weeks so you can do Australia and New Zealand. And yeah. Fiji. I mean, I, maybe two and a half months. Let's just do all of it. <laughs> if you had a sabbatical, I could go anywhere. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. If my boss is listening. Right. Yeah, for sure. So last question, what's something you've seen or done on the road that you wish you could go back and experience again with somebody you love? Oh my gosh. I, I I've talked about Jordan a lot on this call, but it really... Um, being in Wadi Rum was being on another planet. Yeah. It was a different kind of beauty that I'd never experienced before. So I would, I'd love to take family back there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what a spectacular place. The sunsets mm -hmm. are uh, unreal. Maybe the best on earth. Yeah, it, it really is true. It was so, so beautiful. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, Jessica, it's been a pleasure having you and uh, look forward to catching you at an event uh, really soon. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I really appreciate it. Well, I sure hope you enjoy that conversation with Jessica as much as I did. You know, it's always great to take a few minutes, zoom out from uh, looking at the details and concerns of your daily life and business and spend some time thinking about the big picture of travel and the impact it can make and it is making in the world. And think about what we can all do to make sure that that impact is a positive one. Now, Jessica said a few things that were really insightful and I want to hit them again to make sure you don't miss them. Uh, when we were talking about what meaningful travel really is, Jessica said, it's really important when we think of sustainability, meaningful travel, responsible travel, whatever you call it, there's always a balance between social and environmental impact. And she went on to say meaningful travel impacts guests in a way that is experiential, immersive, and engages them in a deeper understanding of people and place. And I love this because it really underscores the fact that meaningful travel is multidimensional and it affects not only the people who are traveling, but the places they travel to and the people who live in those places when you're really intentional about making sure uh, that travel is making a positive impact on the community you visit, it also makes a positive impact on the people you take with you. And that is fantastic. And when we were talking about the power of the travel industry, Jessica said, as travelers, we're going into someone's home. As travel companies, we have the power to make those places better just by the decisions we're making. You know, that's such a good reminder that there is more to what we do than dollars and cents. There's more to what we do than items on an itinerary, trying to make sure everybody stays on time and in the right place. But the things we do in the places we go make a difference and can make life better for people. And that should always be in our minds 
and in our awareness as we go about the business of travel and taking people on our trips. And finally, when we talked about what the future of tourism might look like, Jessica said, for me, the vision that all tourism is sustainable tourism is where we need to be. But that's going to take a lot of work. I think the good news for people like Jessica is that she's not alone in that. And it's not simply the responsibility of an organization like Tourism Cares to be uh, pushing ideas about responsibility and sustainability, but it's really something that we all have a part to play in. And the more each of us does our part, the more we can ensure that tourism has a positive and sustainable future. Great stuff there from Jessica Flores. Well, we talked in our travel news segment about challenges that places like Disney World and San Francisco are having in keeping their visitor numbers up or maybe even uh, recovering effectively from the pandemic. Now, it's easy to maybe read into those with a political lens, but there is another way, I think, to look at these problems, and that is through the lens of price. We're going to make that the topic of today's Hot Minute. Yeah, that's right. The hot minute is the portion of the show where I take 60 seconds to give you my unfiltered thoughts on an issue impacting tourism every day. Today, we're going to ask the question, is tourism leaving the middle class behind? So let's put 60 seconds on the clock and get into it. Both San Francisco and Disney World have become increasingly expensive places to visit over the last few years. And I wonder if that trend is coming back to bite them. When I was growing up 30 years ago, it was common for families in my middle-class Kentucky neighborhood to take Disney vacations. But the cost of that Disney vacation has grown so much that it's difficult for many families to afford that kind of trip today. And it's not just Disney. Many popular tourist destinations in the U.S. are becoming inaccessible to the middle class. Now, I'm all for tourism entrepreneurs making a profit, but I fear we've lost focus on the difference that positive travel experiences can make in the lives of everyday people. Travel is powerful, and I believe we should be doing all we can to make it available to as many people as possible. So if Disney and other popular places have to lose some money to learn that lesson, well, that's a price I'm willing to pay. Now, that's the hot minute for today. And as always, of course, you're welcome to disagree with me and we can still be friends. But hey, agree, disagree, no matter what you're thinking, we would love to hear from you. You can reach me directly at podcast at grouptravelleader.com. I read every email that comes into that address. Let us know what you think of the show and how we can better help you as you plan and promote and lead great trips. And hey, you never know, your thoughts or questions might just be the topic of the next hot minute. And while you're in the mood to give us some feedback, would you do me a big favor? Go to your favorite podcast player, give us a rating, leave us a review. That is so helpful to us. And we are definitely thankful to every one of you who has done that already. My thanks as well to Jessica Flores for joining us on this episode of the show. On the next episode, I'm going to bring you a fascinating conversation with Lee Thompson of Flashpack, who's going to talk to us all about how his company uses travel to build meaningful relationships between travelers. You're not going to want to miss that. Until then, though, remember this. At the end of the day, we're all on this trip together. So let's make it a good one. See you next time. 
on Gather and Go. Gather and Go is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Jewell. Our publisher is Mac Lacey. Danya Simmons is our creative director. Ashley Ricks is our circulation manager and graphic designer. Our sales team is Kyle Anderson and Bryce Wilson. To advertise on the podcast, call Kyle or Bryce at 859-253-0455. Gather and Go is a production of the group Travel Leader. For more information on our podcast, magazines, and events, visit us online at grouptravelleader.com. Thank you.